For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 707 on CJAD. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with my co-host from Furlough Landau, Josh Miller. Welcome back, Josh. Good evening, Dan. And we have a very entertaining show planned tonight. The gang from Total Entertainment is here. Very entertaining, you know. Always love a story that ends in a party. And <laughs> these guys make parties for a living. So uh, welcome to Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment. Why don't we get started right away and tell us exactly what does the company do today? Well, you know what, after close to 20 years doing this now, the best way to describe it is we produce events. So we start with creating an event from the ground up, producing everything from lighting to decor to entertainment, uh, audiovisuals, uh, games, attractions, depending on the, the type of event we're dealing with. Because we deal with both private and corporate markets, private market, whether it's bar mitzvahs, whether it's weddings, uh, corporate market, trade shows, store launches, fashion events, we really cross the gamut and get to work with very diverse clientele. Is it like whether it's the music and entertainment and whatever the party needs? A through Z. Really, that's the best way to describe it. It's it's from the start, from the conception and the creation of the event, right through producing it and having every guest there having a blast uh, so it's really across the uh, across the gamut. What makes for a successful party? First and foremost, the people, the spirit of the guests that are there. We can produce the most outstanding event. We can have the most amazing light show. We can have the best entertainers in the world. The people need to be there and need to have that spirit with them. So you didn't, you, I mean, that's what you're doing today, but you didn't start there. You guys must have started with maybe some smaller parties or whatever it may be. Tell us how you how we got going. Oh, it's a long story, but to sum it up, uh, you know, uh, in a simple way, we started, I was 13 years old. I was a uh, DJ, a mobile DJ, and in those days it was a lot different than the DJs we would see today. It's evolved into uh, a complete animation package where your DJ not only uh, picks music and uh, plays it, but he gets on a microphone and uh, gets out there with the crowd. And my day, it was uh, there was no such thing as a wireless microphone, so you were rather trapped behind your equipment. And uh, this is something I did for many, many years. Always wanted to give it up, and then just couldn't uh, because uh, it paid very well. Uh, it was a hobby that uh, helped me while I was going to school. It was uh, a hobby that always uh, generated revenue for me. So when other uh, kids were at uh, my age were working in stores, uh, I was working one night a week making hundreds of dollars and it was great. Uh, then you reach a certain age where you say, well, I really can't do this uh, you know, too much longer. And uh, I was about to give it up. And uh, then the market kind of changed where somebody said, hey, get out there and use your voice, have a good time with the crowd, get into it. And I did. And uh, that's, I believe, you think you would agree, Lauren, that's when the, uh, the business kind of changed, the whole industry changed. Uh, the money got higher. And it was very hard to, to say, hey, I had enough. So I was already uh, in my late 20s, going into my 30s. I was working full-time as a controller and director of operations for a company here in Montreal. Still doing this on the side and uh, said I had enough. And then Lauren, who was working for a company uh, that rented equipment to me, uh, in those days we, really didn't, we didn't own anything. Uh, we just rented it and had it transported for us. Said, no, 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 don't give it up. Uh, you know, I'm going to work with you and book you know more parties uh, and I'll do one you'll do one or we'll work together and uh, that essentially evolved into a company today that's doing you know quite well did you find that when you I mean when you hooked guys hooked up together was it because there was demand or you just you didn't want to be alone when you started out this business oh demand for sure 
for sure. Because again, remember, it was that transition period where it wasn't just playing the music, it was really getting out there and uh, getting the crowd going. Uh, today, it's, it's more than that. Today, it's uh, dancing, and uh, most animators uh, get out there and they'll do everything from uh, you know, uh, the latest dance moves to standing on their head. And one thing I should mention in those days, and even today, I cannot dance and I cannot ski. <laughs> so I wasn't the guy for that, and I was already too old. It's a good thing it's radio. So <laughs> where, where do you make that transition? Where do you draw the line to say, you know what, I have a steady job, I have a, a wife, a family. Mm -hmm. where, do you, where do you say, you know what, I'm about to give that up, give up the steadiness, and take a chance, take the plunge into my own business? What were the thoughts that went through your head? Very risky. Uh, I was 30, 1995 or 96, I was 35 years old, I was married, uh, I had one uh, baby and I had another one on the way if I remember correctly, and uh, the support of my family, particularly my wife, uh, could not have done it without her. Uh, we knew it would be risky. That stage in life you have mortgages, you have financial commitments, and uh, you also feel that your business that you've developed, uh, your hobby business, you know the kind of uh, revenues that are coming in, uh, the, 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 the events were booked. You have a general idea, so we felt that it was uh, time to make the move. Uh, also, you get pretty fed up working for somebody, and you feel, hey, I can do this, or uh, time to move on. Uh, it's risky, and uh, there were days, and I'm sure you would agree, Lauren, where you know we said, what are we doing? Why did we do this? Um, but you realize quickly that there's many benefits to come along with self-employment, some of which we discussed uh, prior, that, uh, and I'll use hypothetical numbers here. Did, uh, did it require some, I mean, I don't know if you went in, you had a little nest egg built up. Did you have to put in your own money? Was it difficult to kind of start up with capital? Uh, I am very proud today to tell you that we started this company with nothing, uh, really. And uh, I do believe that was probably the biggest challenge we faced. Uh, we had no capital, and essentially we had to take the money that we earned uh, from the various events at that time and invest it into the business. So. You know, somebody once taught me, you make a dollar, you keep 50 cents for yourself, and you keep uh, the other 50 cents in the business. And we just eventually developed equity um, and got the support of our suppliers in terms of establishing credit with them. And then uh, Lauren did a, a fantastic job on the marketing end, booking the parties and events for us. And Did it take you long for people to start taking you seriously? I mean, you're, you know, you're a kid, you're a DJ, you're kind of running parties. Did they, look at, did they look at you ever and say, you know, you weren't a business person, you were, you were just kind of having fun. At, at what point did they start taking you seriously? Well, I'll let you know when that day comes. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> truthfully, what happens is the transition was not so much from the DJ end to the businessman because we have both divisions. We had the total entertainment side that ran for the beginning of the 90s, and then 96 we brought in the events side of it, and that was the biggest transition and the hardest changeover because that's where corporations had to look at you. Major billion dollar corporations had to sign a check to your company and they wanted to know, why am I writing a check for a million dollars to these guys, who are they? And that's when the event side, and that, the biggest challenge, I mean, we still laugh about it now because there are days where we look back and my wife calls them the craft dinner days, mm -hmm. you know, where we had to eat craft dinner so that we can put money into the business mm -hmm. to help grow. We moved to bigger offices, created a little bit of that, uh, I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors, but created that image where if a client came in, they felt, wow, okay, I'm surrounded by a company who really has a great style and understands it. It must be uh, interesting starting out and dealing with banks, and uh, I look forward to a little bit of their unique story uh, about banking in, uh, in Montreal and beyond Quebec. Our guests on today's entrepreneur, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Entertainment, 514-790-0991 and StarTalk, Star 8255 on Bell Mobility. The program continues after the break at 7.15 right now.
For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 719 on CJAD. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening from Total Events and Entertainment, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Lovett. And of course, my co-host, Josh Miller. And uh, Josh, if people are wondering, that name Earl Eichenbaum might sound a bit familiar to long-time long CJAD listeners. Uh, Earl, uh, tell us your experience uh, here at the station. Oh, I worked here way back when. Um, we're trying to pinpoint the times, but uh, for those of you who may remember the uh, George Balkan and uh, Gord Sinclair, uh, Sinclair days, uh, I was in production uh, for three or four years, uh, full-time, part-time, uh, best years of my life, uh, professionally, I must say, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, some of the names and uh, that are still on the air here today I, mm -hmm. I work with. It was great running into people like Barry Morgan and uh, Rick Peterson, and uh, it's, uh, it's fun. It's great. I highly recommend it for anybody. <laughs> uh, let's take one quick call for the uh, the guys at uh, Total Events and Entertainment, 514-790-0991. This is a Klasa. Hi, Klasa. I, I, I like to know a bit about going into the DJ business. What do I need to start up if I want to do my own DJing? Going into it, you got to just volunteer. you got to, you know, suggest that you can work for family members, get that experience under your belt. The more that you're out there, the more you're going to learn. There's no real great training or school for this industry. It's all about experience and all about learning and dealing with what's uh, thrown at you on an event. I also think character is very important, too. I mean, uh, again, I have to emphasize that today it's not just about DJing. There's other dimensions that kick in. Um, there's two different categories of DJing. You have the technical guy who pushes the buttons, perhaps picks the music, and then you have the guy out there you know, who's uh, working the crowd. So it really depends, but you need personality. Uh, you cannot be shy, that's for sure. And you have to have a certain dimension about you. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, thanks for the call. It's an interesting question. And I guess we're talking about, I mean, that you're in a people business. You are making sure there are people entertaining the crowd, serving them properly. Uh, where do you find your talent pool and have you been fortunate along the way? I can honestly say we are extremely fortunate. We've surrounded ourselves with some of the most amazing people in the industry. Um, and not necessarily that came into it that you would say, oh, this person worked for another company. We've developed people. We've seen that sparkle in someone's eye, that glimmer in their eye of saying, I love this industry. I really want to work in it. And uh, one of the girls who works in our office, uh, Julie, when she first started uh, with us six years ago, she said, you know, I, I work to live. And now if you ask her, she says, I live to work. She really loves just being there and the clients feel that people feel that they feel that energy they feel people out there wanting to be on their events and work with them and like I said we've developed a great team and we're very fortunate is it hard to find people I mean in, in your business to have to have the right talent the right experience because you know they're you're planning events you're with you know could be several hundred people and they need a little bit of experience under the belt so do you have a hard time finding people it could be thousands of people I mean we cater to all kinds of different communities and, and size uh, crowds but you can't just find them you, there, there's no school there's no training for this it's really seeing that personality I think like Earl said earlier this industry is all personalities so if you see that person or if we meet that person we say hey this person would be a great uh, a great asset to our team that's how we find them we get resumes I would say dozens a week uh, from people who want to be party planners, who want to be event planners, and we are not event planners, we are designers and producers, but every once in a while you find that characteristic about somebody that just stands out, and like in any business, good help is hard to find, good people are hard to find. Uh, the key is we've had staff with us for 15 years, 12 years, we've had a very small, very uh, low turnover, and that's 
part of the key of knowing that our people make us. Our guests on at today's entrepreneur, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment, 514-790-0991. It's 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. On the program this evening is Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt. They are with Total Events and Entertainment. And earlier, gentlemen, we were talking about uh, personnel and how important it is because a lot of people think that it's just, you know, to, to throw a good party, just throw a bunch of energetic young kids in there. But it's a bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, needless to say, we get lots of people come to us and say, hey, I made a party for my friend. I'm now an event planner. Or I made a party and I'm ready to go. It takes years. It takes truly years. There are companies out there who are putting little kids out on events and saying, hey, you're spending your money. Trust a 14 or 15 year old. You cannot do it. Uh, part of this job and part of this industry is experience. And like I always say, I like to sleep well at night, uh, knowing that there's maturity on a job, that there's people who, if you're spending anywhere from 10,000 to millions on your event, that you have mature professionals running those events. So for the DJ is the same age as the boy being bar mitzvah, that's a red flag. <laughs> it's a big red flag, okay. exactly. There should be at least a generation gap there at a minimum. You're dealing with, with so many different types of people, whether it's corporate or private. Uh, and I know there must be a ton of areas and a ton of documentation. You must go through contracts or the importance of contracts to deal with, whether it's your people, your subcontractors, your people, must be hugely important in your business. Can you elaborate a little bit? Well, I know one thing for sure. When we first started off years ago, our contract was essentially one page with six clauses. Today, it's four pages with, oh, 20 or 30 clauses. Easily, all of which are added, uh, have been added over the years based on experience. Uh, pretty much standard stuff. There's one or two uh, people will look at and say, can you explain this one to me? And I guess that's what we would call the, uh, the no fun clause. And this is a very important uh, uh, point, I think, to mention in, in, in events where uh, you can have the best people. You can hire the best staff. You can have the best food. Lauren can suggest the best lighting. Um, but a party is only as good, as Lauren mentioned before, uh, as the spirit they bring to it. And sometimes you do have situations where a party just does not work for whatever reason. Uh, the guests don't get into it. Uh, they don't want to dance. Uh, and, you know, people say, well, that wasn't such a great party. Fortunately, it does not happen often. But there has been a time or two over 15 years where somebody says, hey, look, uh, we didn't have fun. So there, there's, uh, you guys didn't do your job right. And uh, this is where we developed a clause that says, uh, if I'm, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but it, it says that we are not responsible for the outcome of your party as far as the, you know, the fun aspect of it. They don't have fun. It's not our fault. We're, as long as we provide what we are supposed to provide and to our best ability, uh, we cannot be blamed for that. And I think the most important part here is it's not so much the clause itself, it's the question, it's the part that they've learned over the years. I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs out there that have to learn from their experiences. Yes, you started off with a one-page contract at the beginning, but you know what? It took time and it took effort, and they applied what they learned, and that's hugely important. you got to build on your experiences. Today's Entrepreneur continues with Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment. It's 7.30 right now on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Coming up to 7.34 on a CJAD, welcome back to today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with my co-host from Fuller Landau, Josh Miller, and a Josh, our guest this evening, very entertaining couple of guys from Total Events and Entertainment, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt. Uh, we're just coming out of a recession, uh, gentlemen. Um, do you find that a lot of your clients have been uh, scaling back when it comes to their, their big celebrations? Um, let's just say it's been a special couple of years. There's no question, as Josh was saying before, we're uh, a luxury item, so to speak. Although we're a luxury item, there's still a necessity for what we do, whether it's on a corporate level for employee excitement and keeping the, the employees entertained. Um, they get very antsy when their Christmas parties are cut, I can tell you that much. Uh, back in 2008, uh, we felt it pretty heavily in the corporate market uh, during that December where there was tons of cancellations last minute. One of the things that we consciously went into the recession knowing was don't compromise. Don't compromise our quality. Don't compromise the standards. Um, and we felt it. I mean, we felt two years of, of a tough economy and people cutting back and trying to find ways to cut corners. But uh, we basically said to our clients, we are not going to reduce the quality of what we're doing just to reduce the price. Here are some creative ways of putting your money to better use. And that was, I think, the, the key where a lot of people went the opposite route. Did you have to deal with it from a financial aspect? Did it hit you on the bottom line as well? It's interesting because in 2008, I believe we really felt it towards the end of the year. 2009 was, uh, was tough. Uh, we had made some decisions to uh, streamline the business, uh, certainly not at the expense of our uh, beloved staff. Uh, we just tortured our suppliers pretty good. Uh, we shopped uh, our products and services uh, that we required out uh, more than we ever did before, whether it would be printing uh, or whatever whatever we needed. We just were very careful. We would ask for multiple uh, uh, quotations. Uh, one thing I think Lauren did very well because he handles that side of the business is uh, we just maximized the assets that we owned. So we cut down on uh, capital spending. We didn't uh, purchase any more sound or lighting equipment than we needed. And we just made sure that we used uh, stuff that we owned uh, that, uh, as I'm sure you know, Josh, in business, if you got it, uh, you use mm -hmm. it and it generates more revenue and uh, don't buy, you know, use what you got. Did you have to deal with, with cancellations? I'm, I know a lot of businesses that had a lot of orders sure. canceled throughout. Sure. Uh, and the first, uh, when it first hit, certainly on that Christmas season, there was a lot of corporate cancellation in the private market, and we have a bit of that luxury of having both markets, the private market did more what we call a, a scale back, or I don't wanna use the word skimp, but they would try to find ways to say, how can we do this for a little bit less? How can we you know, reduce this cost? And like I said, that's where our creativity came in and the key with our industry, never panic. So we didn't panic. We said, we're gonna make a beautiful event for you. Here's where your money is better spent and here's the new budget. This is what we're gonna work with. At a wedding or a bar mitzvah, what's the first thing that's cut? I mean, are we talking like the ice swan sculpture? Or what's one thing that gets cut right away? Of course, it's the dancing elephants. Um, I think it's the second cousins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, funny enough, that's actually what happened, is we yeah. saw this scale back of, do I need Auntie Sally and Uncle Joe to be at this party, or do they really not want to be there anyway, so we're going to invite the people that really want to be part of it? And food and beverage makes up half the budget, typically, on an event. So when you reduce that, you reduce drastically. Um, I want to go back to, uh, you know, we started talking about banking and financing uh, a little while ago, and we're talking about the recession, we're talking about hitting the bottom line, and it can be struggles. Um, how, do, you know, how has your financing over the years 
handled a little bit of the waves and what's been your banking experience? Well, the banking experience is uh, fascinating because we do something that I believe is uh, somewhat unique uh, regardless of uh, our size. Uh, we're not uh, corporate Canada here, uh, but we actually bank out of Quebec. We bank in uh, Toronto and a lot of people when they receive our checks, they say, how can we see uh, Richmond Hill, Ontario? Uh, and the reason is uh, when we started in business, we started with a uh, let's say not a known bank, uh, not a national bank. Um, and that was a horrible decision, uh, especially when we asked for a line of credit. Uh, again, we're going back 15 years and we were flatly told no. So, you know, it's time to move. And then we moved to uh, a TD bank. I'm uh, uh, embarrassed to say that here in Montreal. And they were wonderful to a certain point. And then when we had asked to increase uh, a minimal line of credit they established for us, uh, they said due to, uh, at the time, political situations in Quebec uh, and the issues they had within their own uh, banking structure that uh, they just couldn't uh, give us uh, the line of credit we were looking for. And we weren't looking for all that much, more than the $10,000 that we probably had at the time. Strangely enough, I was in Toronto um, for my other business and came across uh, a TD Bank uh, relationship manager. And we were just yapping, and she said, uh, well, you know, uh, who do you bank with? And I explained to her the challenges that we had here in Montreal. And she said, well, we might handle things differently. And I said, you would? How? She said, well, you know, do you have personal equity? Yes, I do. Uh, you've been in business for a few years? Well, two or three years. Do you ever have any trouble with the bank's credit cards? I said, zero, none, you know. She said, well, send me over your numbers. Let's take a look. And... Uh, Again, not being afraid and shy uh, to, talk, to talk numbers, I mean, we probably went from a $15,000 line of credit to 100000 at that point, and, uh, and this is going back uh, 10 to 12 years ago. So it's really about finding the right person to take care of your business. I mean, at the end of the day, they probably have very similar resources, but each professional has their own style. So, you know, I guess, I guess with banking, you found that out. I mean, are there... Are there other professionals you kind of dealt with that have... Well, I will say, though, Josh, and, and this is very important, when dealing with the banks for small business, you're only as good as your last financial statement and you're only as good as your word. The banks will work with you as long as you don't play around. If you're a horror story uh, in business, you will not. they will not cooperate with you. But when you produce good numbers and uh, report on time and work within the covenants that they set for you, uh, you will never have an issue, and I'm very proud to say my relationship with the TD Bank has been fantastic. So credibility is huge. Absolutely. And you got to stick to your word because, you know, and Dan, I, I have to uh, totally agree. The last thing a bank wants from any business person is a surprise. Mm -hmm. Keep them in the loop. Keep them uh, notified if there's a change. Let them know. Uh, and if, you, if they're going to ask you a question, answer them truthfully. And if you don't want to answer truthfully, don't answer at all because when your credibility gets shot with a bank, that's it. Forget about the growth. Forget about the future. So uh, I, I think it's a it's an important lesson for uh, for everybody to learn. And a lot of small business owners, I'm I'm sure, would look at banks and say, "Well, they're all the same." Uh, but in reality, as you proved, I think you may, you might have to interview different banks before before getting going. Absolutely, no different with any other key supplier, whether it's your bank, your accounting uh, a firm, uh, your lawyer, and even your suppliers. Do you take the time to make sure you have the right people surrounding you? For and sure. how do you do that? For sure. Let's let's look at accounting, for example. Uh, we're, on, we're on the spot. You're in trouble now. Yeah. When we started in business, I thought it was uh, the right idea to uh, use uh, a one-man show, essentially, that I had known for several years. He was handling uh, small business. Yeah, okay, you know, the price will be right. And uh, 
and eventually it's like a pair of shoes you grow out of it and uh it was the bank actually who told me that uh, you know what you guys have grown you're much bigger now uh, we want you to report uh, a certain way and we will not accept uh, a statement from a one-man show and they made they set they set the law and that's where we uh, did some homework and uh, we ended up with your firm you were talking about i guess a little bit of growth and and certainly combining with the recession as entrepreneurs, you can't always rely on your last great thing. There must be other ways. I guess you have to occasionally look to reinvent yourself or diversify. Is that a philosophy that you've taken un- taken into account? I think any smart businessman will diversify. You can't put all your eggs in one basket because you've seen what happens to other people who've done that. They go bankrupt, they go under, something happens. What we've always done is we've looked for ventures that are related and sometimes unrelated. Earl and I own two businesses completely unrelated to each other. But certainly on the entertainment side, we, you know, we opened an event space called the Loft Event Club, which has been a completely separate business within the realms of total events. Um, and we've also launched a software, an online software called ManageMyEvent.com, which, again, diversifies what we do within our knowledge base as well. Tell us about that, that online uh, venture and how you, how you got into that business. Well, I can say that we knew nothing about going online or about online businesses aside from owning our total.ca domain for 15 years. That was about as much as we knew. Um, I got tired of receiving Excel spreadsheets from clients. That's really what it came down to. They give me these Excel spreadsheets with their guest list, with their details, completely mangled. So what we did is we created an online management software that was idiot-proof, user-friendly, and it gave us a source to be able to log in to see what they were up to as well, keep them organized, um, and what we did is we turned it around and we ended up selling it to planners all over North America to use with their clients to keep them organized. It's okay to boss around your clients once in a while if it's for the greater good. If Absolutely. it's for the greater good and it fills your pocket, but they feel good at the end of the day. Uh, gentlemen, I, it's been a, a great story. I would love to hear, you know, over the years, you've certainly accumulated some knowledge in, about uh, entrepreneurialism. What piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Each of you, if you don't mind. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I can tell you that it takes a certain individual. You have to be of a certain type to uh, transition from the comfort of employment into self-employment. Um, you have to be psychologically and financially prepared to to uh, to do so. Um, you learn very quickly the advantages that one has being self-employed, um, and I learned that real quick. Uh, I mean, I could spend an hour doing that. Uh, or explaining my, my reasons behind that. Um, and you learn very quick. You must learn. You must adapt. Uh, you must pick a great business partner that I have in Lorne. I'm very proud to say that. Uh, you need, if two people do the same thing, then you don't need a business partner. I agree with that. I mean, what makes our business partnership successful is that we both do completely independent roles within the company and we respect what each other does. Um, as far as advice to other entrepreneurs out there, don't be shy. That's really what it comes down to. You got to be confident in what you do. You got to be proud of what you do, and you got to get up every morning saying, "I want to do this," and be confident in what you're delivering to the end user. Our guests are uh, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment. And after the break, uh, Nick Moradis will join us, a tax partner with Fuller Landau. And if you have any tax questions, five one four seven nine zero zero nine nine one and Star Talk Star eight two five five on Bell Mobility seven forty five right now. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
7.49 on CJAD. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Our guests, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment. We also welcome to the program uh, Nick Moretis. He's a tax partner with Fuller Landau. And uh, Nick, right off the bat, we will talk about, uh, on this Valentine's Day, spousal, spousal issues relating to tax. But first, you do have some, uh, some advice for, for Earl and Lauren. Well, uh, one thing that uh, Earl and Lauren, you, you should realize and in discussing with your clients as well, uh, when an employer, when you're doing an employer-hosted event, and the event is open to all the employees of the firm. Um, uh, all the meals and entertainment costs that go th through that are, are not caught by the special 50% deduction rule. So an employer can write off the entire cost, such as a, as a, as a Christmas party for event or an outdoor day. Uh, if, if all the employees are available and you're organizing that, that is a 100% deduction for the employer. But what if there are spouses there? Mm -hmm. Now the spouses it, that doesn't work. That would that would be actually could even result in a taxable benefit in that case. So you you would have to be careful on that one. So where do you draw that line? Um, you draw the line. Well, if the spouse is there and the employer is pay, paying for the spouse. Yeah. Uh, I always suspect that would be a taxable benefit. Then. So in keeping with this lovely Valentine's Day, as we all look forward to getting home later with our loved ones, Nick, is there anything uh, that, that entrepreneurs should consider when thinking about their spouses? Uh, well, my wife reminded me about Valentine's Day this morning. You see where I am tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but some of the things that we, I guess we should look at, it's as one of my staff mates, uh, Susan Bowich, uh, was uh, talking to before we showed up here um, it's nice to, to buy chocolates and flowers and jewelry. It's, it's, it's nice for love, but a, a smart modern-day couple also is looking to build wealth and, and try to do it uh, throughout their, their married lives. And some of the stuff we should be looking at, um, uh, as an example, uh, is really trying to share that wealth, share that income ability between the two because our tax rates are lower. Um, so one example today is if uh, a spouse is earning a lot of income, lends money to a spouse who's earning no income, uh, charges the uh, the prescribed rate, which is a rate that the government determines every three months that you're supposed to charge, which is 1% today. Um, the spouse will pay, say it's the, the wife who's receiving the money, will pay the husband that 1% uh, every year. She takes that money, reinvests it. That income is hers, less of the 1% to the husband. And all of a sudden, rather than pay, um, say, a tax rate of 48%, if the husband is in the 48% tax bracket, you'll be paying maybe a rate of 20 or 30 or maybe 0%. The wife. So legally shifting income from one spouse to the other. Buy a loan where the interest is charged and the interest is paid. That can be done. If you decide that, here, honey, here's $100,000, go invest, the government will come back and say, well, that's very nice, but you're paying the tax. Today's Entrepreneur continues in just a moment. Our guests, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment, as well as Nick Moretis, tax partner with Full Landau to address spousal issues when it comes to tax. CJAD time is 7.53. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.55 on today's Entrepreneur. Our guests, Earl Eichenbaum and Lauren Levitt of Total Events and Entertainment. Also joining the conversation is Nick Moretis, tax partner with Fuller Landau. And uh, Nick, this being Valentine's Day, of course, so one great gift could be shares in a small business. Absolutely. Uh, in many instances, as I said, part of it is the sharing of the income over, over time. And you can, you can do it through um, ensuring that you're paying a reasonable salary to the spouses assisting you in the business that is uh, perfectly legal, uh, provided that there is work being done. 
Um, it has to be reasonable, right? It, and it has can't to be just be a million dollars. So if, for... yeah, that's right. If, if the spouse is working an hour uh, a week, you cannot pay them $100,000 a year and say that's a reasonable salary. That's, that's, that's where p uh, businessmen do run into trouble. Uh, another uh, area is uh, adding the, the spouse as a shareholder uh, into the family business. It provides her with a source of dividends should you, you do pay dividends. And if a spouse is at home taking care of the children, say, um, she could receive twenty, twenty-five thousand of dividends every year, uh, essentially tax-free, by making her a spouse. There's a lot of rules to follow for that to work. Uh, um, you can also include a family trust in lieu of the spouse owning shares direct for for family planning purposes, because uh, that will allow them to receive uh, dividends through the trust as well. Do the does the government come and check to see what the spouses are actually doing in the business? Um, the, yes, they do audit that. Um, if the spouse is earning a paycheck, they will come in and check that uh, the spouse is actually there in the business doing something. Do not expect that I'm going to put um, my, my husband on my payroll for my business and, and he can stay home all day and never know where the office is. That doesn't happen. And what ends up happening is that salary that your spouse was uh, being taxed on gets added to yours with the penalties and the interest. So there has to be an effort that that spouse is, is actually there knows where the office is and knows what to do. And uh, I guess uh, not, not that we want to bring up any negative topics on, uh, on, on Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day no. but if the spouses are not getting along and there, there might be a, a separation in the works, um, I, I guess the, the entrepreneur just has to be aware that when he goes into this type of agreement or type of uh, income splitting, that there can be consequences and you just have to take that into consideration. Well, it is Valentine's Day and we don't usually think of that. But yes, there, there are situations where you would want to uh, protect yourself and, and it could be with agreements. It could be through f the family trust to ensure that uh, all the family benefits, including the children, which are, I guess are the happiest event that can come out of Valentine's Day, and, and to protect the family going forward. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm not actually going home with a gift, so who knows what's going to happen when I get home. We'll make them shareholders of our company. <laughs> make them shareholders. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick uh, and Earl and Lauren. Uh, I must say, uh, in listening to all the stories this hour, what really the takeaway I get is the devil is in the detail. I mean, you have to learn along the way, but you have to apply what you learn. The smallest things, whether it be the contract, whether it be learning what, you know, that you can include spouse and in doing some income splitting and strategizing, whether it's listening to the customer or applying your own strategy or benefit, and even knowing when it's time to reinvent yourself or when it's time to diversify. You really got to pay attention to all those aspects. See the forest from the trees a little bit, but know when you have to take that step back. And not necessarily all entrepreneurs have that mindset and have that viewpoint. And I really think that was it was really well established with uh, with Earl and Lorne in Total Events and Entertainment. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, really look forward to uh, to our uh, to seeing you next. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thanks very much. And uh, don't forget, you can reach uh, Fuller Landau on their website www.flmontreal.com. And uh, f uh, this uh, program today's entrepreneur returns February twenty first. That's Monday at eight p.m. At eight p.m. And uh, next week is uh, Alain Simon Fleurs. We get to hear how uh, how the flower store operates, certainly with events and planning and all that to continue along that way. And uh, I'm sure he'll have lots of stories to tell after after today. <laughs> anyway, clearly. Thanks very much, Josh Miller. And uh, Delmar at Night is next on CJAD.